Where I'm at? Where I go? How did I get here? Walk around with a Smithfield. I'm from the south, had a go grill. Remember doing shows in Mobile. Go against me in this road kill. Waking up and see the sunrise. I turned five, I got baptized. We were living up in college bar. Midnight, heard the gunfight. Playing football at Far Park. Christian Park, where your mama get the fight. Alright, we're back. Once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to How You Livin'. The only show recorded live from the Million Dollar Studios in the Chaz Tower. Here to bring you the news of the month, the week, and the world we're in today. Which in this case is, uh, you know, mid mid-May. Yeah. We're like smack in the uh the middle of May. So I always start this show off with a simple question and it's posed to my comrade Chaz here. How you living, Chaz? Uh, you know what? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. I've been, you know, taking some time off kind of trying to relax a little bit. Now I'm kind of back in the frame of where I want to start digging into the political sphere again, seeing what's going on with presidential elections, seeing what's going on in the zeitgeist with everything involved with Trump, right? And you know, what policies and stuff we can do to uh bring things up and also like uh a really a really big race is happening in Seattle soon for city council. All so right. kind of doing some research on that, trying to do what we did previously with the other elections right? Uh, and see what we should do there. So, so yeah, there's a lot of political stuff I can get into, and it was good to kind of take, like, you know, I guess it's two months because I got laid off, and I was kind of like, let me just enjoy this. So now I can kind of get back into a groove. Yeah, yeah. I feel you, man. And, uh, you know, the, the weather was cooperating there for a little bit here in Seattle. We oh, actu- yeah. We actually got up to 80 which uh, in this part of the world is uh, not too common, so it's uh, it's nice when it happens. Indeed. And uh, and now we you know we have a cloudy rainy day. So yeah, I was <laughs> I walked outside del- today and I was like, wait, it rained. Yeah, Seattle delivers as usual, and as usual, uh, we start this program with uh, the original segment. The one that was named just because of a simple way that Chaz decided to say it. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Our first segment, callbacks. Go, 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 callbacks. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, where's the look back at the episodes and the discussions we've had in the past uh, brought back around to discuss in the present. Uh, what's on your mind uh, in the callback forum, Chaz? I guess it feels, uh, I don't want to say obligatory, but like we just had multiple instances of more school shootings. Y- yeah. Um, and kind of, and kind of like it's been a while. I guess it's almost been double the amount of episode or yeah. Like it was episode 35 and this is like episode 73. 73. I think so. it's officially 73 because we thought the last one mm-hmm. was 72. Yeah. Right. We're back on board. We're just going to do two 73s, Kai. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and like not much has changed in like, you know, the views of America and out there. But I guess like I've heard of better arguments now for gun control kind of dealing more out of the range of like the Second Amendment because like the Second Amendment battle is squarely won by those on the right. Um right now but kind of looking at it more from like a force amplification uh, perspective yeah yeah. because there's always those arguments of saying like if you get rid of guns then they're going to use knives and if you get rid of knives they're going to use something else but like the whole point is each one of those has different levels of force amplification 
um, and the less force amplification that you have going through, uh, the least likely to be instances of people being maimed or hurt, you know. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And uh, and also just kind of curtailing direct access to some firearms for mm-hmm. certain uh, groups and places. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a point where, like, cities in general, like, why why are you have to be so armed if you're in the city? Yeah. You know, I mean, I get it. Like, your own personal home, but it's like, it starts to get a little out of hand, um, you know, in that type of cluster of people. If everyone upholds the gun laws and has guns, there's it's there can be trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's interesting to look at that, and obviously the... The concept on that hits nerves immediately mm-hmm. on the other side. Uh, shout out to Finn and Connor, uh, who we're going to invite on the show either uh, separately or together to okay. kind of give us a uh, uh, a look on the more conservative angle of things mm-hmm. uh, from somebody living in Washington and, and, you know, holding up some similar Washington values as we do, but mm-hmm. from a different perspective and ideology and approach completely and you know probably has different views on a few of our subjects oh of course so they want to come on so uh you know we'll 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 have a a more open discussion on some of these topics too and 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 see kind of somebody from that side say something Mm -hmm. at least have a quote you know oh yeah exactly of of like a way of thinking so but yeah no the framework of that issue is is going to be big probably running into this 2020 election Mm -hmm. and uh anything that happens in the time between then and now you know Mm -hmm. sadly at this point is inevitable right at this it feels you know as though um these type of atrocities just keep happening so Mm -hmm. yeah shout out to uh to episode 35 um if you want to get a longer take on that uh we might dive into it again in an episode it's just kind of uh like he said the uh the environment hasn't moved on as much as it should yeah and, yeah. and we know there's not going to be any uh, any new laws or any sort of policies coming from this administration for it. So kind of it's just like if it comes up, kind of just use it as a way to say, hey, these are kind of some things to look at. And there's other policy things like criticizing how the CDC can't even study it because of the NRA and things like that. And I actually look at like the actionable steps that the other side has taken uh, to obfuscate understanding the, the entirety of the issue. Uh, right. Because right now... Uh, I think all you have right now are a lot of emotional arguments and and right now I think we, we want to get to the point where we have reasonable gun regulation but in order to get to reasonable gun regulation we need to be able to you know see the metrics and see the data so I think like definitely anybody out there who's looking at ways to check the data definitely Washington I know definitely probably what we will have a discussion on here in Washington is the new gun law especially for assault weapons in quotations because you know anybody who's big in guns are going to do their pointed nose at their glasses thing and say well no what it means actually right man how does that actually play into like keeping people safe and what valid things is it does uh, does it overreach like just you know having that discussion so right so yeah yeah um i guess back uh on a callback kind of forum style is mm-hmm. uh the election continues you Indeed. know and uh you know the candidates uh are stacking up i actually saw a a comedian who i'm not sure i've actually met mm. uh here in seattle at a at a comedy show but he just put out a press release. It could very well ultimately be a joke. Uh-huh. 
But Ben Glebe uh, has currently kind of a press movement saying that he's running for president in 2020. Interesting. And uh, and that if you think he's from the rich elite, it turns out cable TV game show hosts and stand up comedians in middle America cities don't make a wealthy man out of <laughs> him. So. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying he's 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 an everyman, and then he touts that he has a uh, a degree from like uh, a good school, like a, a high degree or something. So yeah, it was it was an interesting little blurb that I saw today. So Ben Glebe, maybe. that's that's very interesting. Like even if it is just a stunt, like if you can stand up to the scrutiny of the stunt. It's good for your notoriety. Oh, for right. sure. Like, it, it's definitely an interesting play. And I would actually enjoy it if someone like that uses comedy, uh, specifically satire. They kind of, like, point out the bullshit that people do during political campaigns. Right. Right. Like, if he's just kind of doing it as, like, a ha-ha whoopee cushion sort of thing, I get that. And I can appreciate that. But definitely it would be cool to see him, like, stay in there for a little bit and actually, you know, be doing critiques about people who are actually going through and doing it. Because I, I think that, like, comedy has that unique thing to be able to show you the absurdity of things um, and be able to frame it in a way that um, that, that will make you go, oh, I don't really think about it that way. So, so yeah, I, I find that idea intriguing. But also kind of like, what's your end game here, bro? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. It's a four minute and fifty seven vidi- video, mm-hmm. and uh, it's introduced from by Bill Maher, and then he goes into a whole talk about kind of the atrocities of it, but also that he was a uh, correspondent at multiple uh, political campaigns. Interesting. Do you want to play it and then riff on it, or I mean. It it it's four minutes long, so let's uh, just pick a part and we'll see what we get out of it. Gotcha. Uh, here we go. A little bit of Ben Glebe on our callbacks forum. That's where the lies come from, and in a time of fake news, and with a pathological liar president, comedians are the only people left whose job it is to tell you the truth. You're probably thinking, why would the guy from Chelsea Lately, who hosts a game show about idiots and day drinks on the Today Show with Kathy Lee and Hoda, be a good leader for our nation? Let me tell you a little bit about my background. You may not know, I'm also an honors thesis graduate of one of the top universities in the country. For over a decade, I've been a political contributor and commentator on places like CNN, NPR, Huffington Post, The Young Turks, ABC News, and more. I've hosted countless conversations and many debates with both sides, always working to try to find solutions to our problems. And I recently created the Telethon for America, a first-of-its-kind event powered by Michelle Obama's When We All Vote, that played a significant role in last year's record-setting historic voter turnout. Plus, people always say they want a president they can see themselves having a beer with. I've already had beers with tons of you. Thank you very much for the beers, by the way. I actually did drink a beer I am with so this guy. passionate about <laughs> politics that many people started suggesting that I run for president and challenge Trump head on. And I realized that I'm different from every candidate because I've never been in government and I'm not part of the rich elite. Turns out cable TV and comedy clubs and strip malls do not pay as well as you think. Unlike career politicians who sit in Washington or at fundraiser events their whole careers, I've been traveling around the country for the last 19 years. 
I've been hanging with regular people because I am one. All I right. So, I mean, that sounds dead ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Is, I mean, I'm kind of touched by that a little bit, honestly. Is that a joke? I don't know. I mean, if it is, fuck you. But <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't know. I like, yeah, no. He. I mean, I'm kind of at the point where I would want to know what exactly are his credentials and and actually kind of see like what conversations he was having because looking at the video there he had um i think tammy i forget oh gosh no i did not just do that i, I can't can't remember oh tommy lauren right oh, yeah, yeah yeah and uh, tammy oh god and who was he what's he um <laughs> but that like he was ending like he's contributed to like cnn so like he kind of understands those things so and yeah. actually you know what if you met him before maybe he'll be a good presidential candidate to try to get on the show uh the show maybe i need to like slide into his dms and be like hey yeah you want to be on how you living i mean my friend was his feature act and uh I w- he they they walked into a bar and uh i was getting off work because i was a cook and i was like hey what are you guys doing they're like oh we're about to do a show and i was like what kind of show they're a comedy show and i'm like at that club that replaced that strip club Mm -hmm. and he's like yeah i think that's the one that i'm at i was like oh okay i haven't been there and uh is this in the u district yeah at laughs and i went and saw ben glebe and my friend henry uh open for him and uh yeah it was fun and then we hung out and drank some beers, and he was a cool guy, man. He's he was smart. He was funny and smart. Like he was he was uh he was interesting. And then his bit was that the next day, his Sunday show, he was gonna broadcast live on Facebook. Oh, okay. Which is interesting, you know, because you, yeah. you you get the paid customers, and then you just turn on for the free Facebook. And then he did a bit after doing like some material. He did a bit where he just communicated with the people on Facebook, you mm. know, like w- what they wanted him to talk about. Okay. It was a uh, it was an interesting approach to comedy, but yeah. So uh, uh, I guess that's my callback, uh, and that presidential candidates are still coming out. Uh, and now we're in the episode. Uh, the episode seventy three dose. <laughs> seventy three. The second. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we're uh, you know mid May, like we said, and. Uh, what what's on your mind that's uh that's happening this week or in the in the news f- sphere that we just came through uh like actually what i've been doing today is i i think i mentioned last episode i want to start you know talking about the presidential candidates looking at like what their policies are and everything so i took a little bit of a look at uh elizabeth warren's uh, policies and, and i think she's a good person to start out with because i believe she was the earliest to announce her candidacy for president okay. and she's been like she she did the whole we're doing an exploratory committee and then she was like it's official so and, and i went through and i watched her cnn town hall and i watched a couple videos talking about different proposals she has because uh, it's definitely very interesting how i think she is one of those uh middle ground candidates where she can appeal to like the progressive side of things and where she can also appeal to uh, small town America things as well too. Okay. Uh, and, and she's definitely like one of the few that I've seen just in kind of like, you know, my auxiliary look of people running for president that are putting out like, like strong proposal initiatives and not just like, we're going to beat Trump and I'm against them sort of initiatives. Okay. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah, apparently she's, you know, originally from Oklahoma City. And uh, we 
uh, know her from her uh, roles in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, most recently as senator, and then also as serving at some point, I believe, as the um, education secretary under uh, Barack Obama. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, a lot of... Uh, and she beat Scott Brown who was the guy that um did he he took over um ted kennedy's seat oh yeah Yeah. i remember that big one when that happened driving the truck yeah because ted kennedy was dead and so they had to run an election yeah uh i i believe i believe that's when he came in i just remember him doing all those ads with uh with the truck he's like i drive a dodge to all these rallies i'm the shit <laughs> and she beat him so mm, nice so yeah i would definitely describe <laughs> her as someone because i think there's a big thing like colloquially speaking i would call myself a socialist right but what i mean is democratic <laughs> socialism of course okay. uh, uh, right but but no i mean there's a lot of people who think that all the policies that are coming up that people want like a 100 percent socialist uh, economy or something and like they'll make critiques of like when you talk <laughs> about any of the uh what is it? Not I want to say Norwegian, but kind of like you know Scandinavian. Finland, Denmark, Scandinavian. That's the right word. Yeah, I got you, man. It's because I'm I'm Scandinavian, so right. we right. good. We good. Right, no. but but <laughs> the whole point is like I think I, as I mentioned before that it, there's kind of can be a hybrid system where you know you can have a, a market capital system with, right. with robust, strong social platforms, and I feel like a lot of the things she says are in the vein of that. So let me see. What well, let me look at my notes. here here let me see so i remember uh there was one guy during her town hall that asked about how were metal medicare for all is good for workers because his whole thing was uh, he's a big proponent of unions and unions Mm -hmm. are a big proponent of uh employer health care because those can be actually good systems depending on how robust that is and kind of uh, wanting to get her thoughts on Medicare for all, meaning getting rid of the private system itself and what that would mean. And I guess like my initial thought on that is a lot of other places have uh, a public private partnership. So I don't necessarily think you need to have 100 percent public health care for to get everyone um, sort of covered. And I do think that some people would want private health care for more, you know, elective things. So so that could be something involved with there, too. But um, I did like the fact that she talked about how she wanted to bring all the components together at the table and hash out what needs to be done. So 100 percent of Americans can be covered for the lowest price possible. So, yeah, I thought that was cool. That is cool. And uh, as a point of fact, she was a New Hampshire senator. Ah, New Hampshire. That's where she defeated uh, Scott Brown um, when he ran. But he was serving after the death of Ted Kennedy. Mm. Anyway. Uh yeah, no, she's progressive and she's got some good ideas. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on how we can sell her as the candidate to the Obama Democrats in the Rust Belt, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think uh, mm-hmm. one of the things one guy asked uh, the way he said it is like for those on the right who care more about like personal responsibility. And this is sort of paraphrasing. Um how can you deal with hand ups instead of handouts? 
because there, there's a bit like I've noticed in my conversations with different people that see things like social programs as being handouts and people not earning their worth and they're being like a big proponent even up to the times of uh when we were in our colonial days where people were like no you work for what you have and then you get the benefit from the system and i totally understand that uh so one of her things was saying that she's a big proponent of regulated markets but also kind of piggybacking into the thing uh she was talking about before is employees need unions she was talking about how unions actually built the middle class and unions will probably need to build the middle class again okay yeah Going off the uh, kind of post-industrial revolution, mm-hmm. uh, early modernization. Yeah. I mean, the union saved a lot of American labor at that point from mm-hmm. being just, you know, endlessly stamped out and replaced in s- with by scabs by organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, unions do kind of limit some innovations in some places because personnel can't be moved and sometimes... Uh, the c- type of direction a company is going gets kind of locked in place because of a union that's in charge of certain areas. So um, there are interesting kind of angles that are negative about unions. But as far as like control of wages and like time off and benefit packages, mm-hmm. they're, they're a good structure. Collective bargaining in, yeah. in general is a good structure. Because um, I definitely see like I guess from a personal point of view – the tech industry definitely is probably where people would make the biggest comparative argument of unions versus innovation. All right. But then I guess one would have to look at like how much of a disadvantage or advantage are they taking from people uh, currently with how they're set up? Yeah. Cause none of them have unions. No, not at all. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> yeah. So, and they get paid salaries and they get paid pretty good salaries too on, in general. So a lot and of the innovation pumps out of those places like yeah. google especially like I, I amazon too to a degree but amazon now is just like this weird monolith of of retail you know like ultimate retail beast don't don't discount aws which is amazon web services right which facilitates a good portion of the internet yeah 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 but what i was saying was like the the google model where these people are paid well non-unionized mm-hmm. and but then are given like those time off periods where they're allowed to kind of innovate and work on their own time to like develop things that later google wants and Mm -hmm. because they're given kind of the uh keys to the to the different areas that they can lab work on uh they get the benefit of having the google infrastructure uh is an interesting way that google can branch off into these really strange kind of innovative areas that i guess some of the other ones they don't really r&d lab like that except maybe you'd think like spacex specifically because elon Mm -hmm. musk um kind of does that he moves between things but like not a company's culture um amazon to a degree also is why i said that because they they yeah yeah i think google i'm sorry i'm not exactly sure how much google profits but I think their business model, just like Amazon's business model, is to take all the profits and reinvest it into the company. Because uh, definitely uh, when I've interviewed with Amazon and seeing a lot of the Amazon uh, sort of materials for who they want to hire, and even friends who work as hiring managers for Amazon really speak at Amazon trying to be innovators of the future. Because uh, like I, you would, you could arguably say that Alexa is a bigger voice platform than Google or Siri. Uh, and they had to spend a lot of time innovating for that. 
and and I guess like it's the flip side of things where I kind of don't want to just say yeah innovation but at what cost and like what is the impact on those people's lives like what is the work-life balance because there is a lot of innovation coming out of these places but there's also a lot of 100 hour work weeks coming out of these places yeah so endlessly yeah well and that's that's kind of the the double-edged sword Mm -hmm. that that we're discussing i mean i don't think there's a perfect solution so i i I think i've benefited from unions and i think at times when i've i've reached a pinnacle of Mm -hmm. of kind of seniority essentially without the like huge line of people between me and the next kind of pay raise where then Mm -hmm. you you do kind of feel like well where's the incentive to be like better faster or whatever when you know there's no way to 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 be rewarded of that because you right. need structure um but yeah i mean it I, I i understand why she says that i mean we we analyze everything they say so it's like it becomes this sweeping statement that she's like i'm only for unions because i made this statement about unions but it's like unions are obviously going to be a part of the formula mm-hmm. you know if we're stitching this country back together there's going to be unions there's going to be trade contracts and uh you know, debates between states. We're going to see changes in laws for the different products. I mean, as marijuana gets legalized around mm-hmm. the, the country, that's going to have impact how states um, distribute the tax money or or the 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 legal handling of those things and and other enterprises that are going to grow in the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, uh, are gonna are gonna impact you know through unions and through um you know who has the money at that point like that's the other kind of thing right now is as a world we're we're controlled by these kind of mega billion dollar corporations like we just listed like five of them Mm -hmm. and and looking at the way the world works like how how much those type of enterprises are going to play a role in kind of demising you know, hitting the climate change factors and all those things like quicker. How do you, how do you actually start to break that system apart? Maybe, you mm-hmm. know, if we need to individualize some of that stuff too. Um, yeah. Y- actually to touch back on the impact thing. Cause I just realized I, I mentioned the tech side of Amazon without mentioning in Amazon uh, fulfillment centers. And <clears throat> when people have usually heavy criticism about Amazon, it's how they treat their fulfillment center workers. Now, I've heard that it's gotten better over time and that in like previous times that people had to pee in cups and everything and they weren't allowed ample breaks and they're the ones getting paid twelve, thirteen dollars an hour. So and say if you and I are signed up for Amazon Prime that we can get things for um, two day shipping. And I bring that up because there I, I saw an article where they were pushing for one day shipping. And I'm wondering who is going to take the brunt of that impact other than uh, Amazon fulfillment workers. And especially here in the state of Washington where we have an at-will work system where companies can fire you for whatever reason. Right. Um, I think they are the workers in our current economy that probably need unionized protection the most. And uh, there are a lot of instances of Jeff Bezos kind of trying to do a deterrent of that. And there's another example of that coming from Delta. Uh, where Delta actually has uh, um, advertisements where they'll tell you union dues are $700 each year. Wouldn't you rather buy a video game system with that money? So, like, there there is a, a little bit of subterfuge happening from, like, the corporations to deter people from unionizing. And I think that's a weird part of the equation as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we're 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 in we're in strange times. I mean, we're definitely in uncharted waters because uh, the impact of our social networks mm-hmm. on our elections, on our understanding of our news, at the same time as this uh, disintegration of the Republican Party towards mm-hmm. this strange far right, like weird, um, you know, racist kind of strange behavior uh leadership that somehow has taken over the minds of even people that at some point we'd call reasonable Mm -hmm. you know uh is 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 all happening at the same time as like global energy crises and uh you know the changes in the weather patterns where we're getting these like super storms and stuff uh, and now we have airplanes that can't fly themselves the way we wanted them to fly themselves. So now they're flying into the ground. And one of the biggest companies in the world who happens to be based partially out of here in Washington, <laughs> uh, Boeing, is, is you know, facing its worst crisis of its existence. Yeah, and that was their own doing, too. 100%. Right, it we got we got too complacent in these ideas that the technology was the answer, and it was all about gas savings. It just saved a little more gas, which is like, it just goes back to this weird paradigm that we're we're stuck on these fossil fuel formulas that even our smartest thinkers and designers are having to just like cut that every little bit and try to and, and like and it's this benefit, but at some point in this particular case. Mm-hmm. You know, it was saving like 30 miles of flight time gas, which is probably hundreds of dollars. Who knows? You know, it's mm-hmm. air fuel, jet fuel. But uh, but yeah, basically that that um, that that's what caused the, the airplane to crash. Yeah, I, I think like my understanding of it, too, was kind of how they framed it to when they were buying the airplanes and they framed that particular thing as an add on. And it was like an $80,000 add-on or something for for that to happen. So people, especially in these countries that were buying them, who wants to save money, they're not going to pay the $80,000 for that add-on. But the bug in their system, they didn't realize that that add-on should have been mandatory. So I, I think like it, it's an interesting line of corporatism there and an interesting line of like kind of learning that people buy planes the same way people buy cars. Yeah. Um, and, and then kind of like framing something as a money saving measure, but that money saving measure ended up killing people. So, yeah. Did you, uh, so are you just going one by one or did you take a look at another candidate? No, I kind of want to do one per episode right now. Okay. Uh, who are you? Who are you keeping an eye? At? What are you thinking on next time? I mean, we did just uh, pre-pod. We we listened to about five minutes, and I listened to another previous like ten minutes of an interview with uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who was on the Joe Rogan program. So, another podcast. Hey guys, if you listen to this, you might listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, He's out of Los Angeles. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he hosts a little program. He has his friend Young Jamie with him. Uh, <laughs> if you're interested in podcasts, check out Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh, man. He also does UFC commentary, guys. It's uh, Joseph Rogan. <laughs> Joseph Rogan. Of Los Angeles, California. Um, uh, so, yeah, next week I was thinking about doing Pete Buttigieg because he's been out there he's and out kind there. of like he's interesting. But then after that, uh, Tulsi Gilbert, 
uh, Ogre Bard or I, Andrew I'll, I'll, Yang. Yeah, probably. So, so if like kind of to keep me on task of who I want to do and have a whiteboard, I can put this up on the whiteboard. Elizabeth Warren will be this week. Uh, the next time we'll record will be Pete Buttigieg. The time we'll record after that will be Tulsi Gubbard. And the time after that will be Andrew Yang. Okay. And, and I think like that, that gives like a good like round rounding out of people that's, that's chaz's final four in his democratic back bracket no i was kidding i mean i mean <laughs> it's we, just the we, first four but. right i mean we got until like the primaries don't start until next year you're like, right you're so. like gabbard's gonna beat gonzaga no- <laughs> north carolina's gonna give booty egg real hell oh in the third my round gosh. <laughs> but davidson is coming up but andrew yang's got them under control mm-hmm. yeah uh bracket jokes guys nba basketball check it out no <laughs> Yeah. Uh go Blazers. Uh currently in the Western Conference Finals. Let's uh let's hope for a win in Golden State. And if you're a Golden State fan, hey, thanks for listening, guys. Steph Curry. Um Uh let me see. What else? Yeah, what was your other topics, man? What else what else is going on? So yeah, Pete Buddyage next week or whenever and uh that'll be interesting. Uh he's definitely out there. He's got the interview on Colbert that just came out. Oh yeah. And then uh he's been yeah, just he's been on a few things. So um what do you think? What do you think is that the move now like like is that the the Trump angle is you you have to become TV the TV candidate? Like I mean I know like TV like changed the 1960 presidential mm-hmm. election, but I mean in the way of like like you need to be on the popular programs like and I think you need to go to where your constituents are going to watch, right? So, yeah, I, I think I do think that um, if any of the presidential candidates don't have a strong social media presence, um, or or I shouldn't, shouldn't just say social media, I should say all media presence, uh, because different people watch different things, right? Yeah. And if you want to get your message out there, <laughs> you have to be like Kamala Harris was on The Breakfast Club, right? Pete right. Buttigieg was on The Breakfast Club. Right. Right. But then there's going to be <laughs> someone else who's on Bill Maher. Yo, right? this is Andrew Yang. I'm up here on Snapchat. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. Don't discount Snapchat. Actually, if you're a presidential candidate right now, and if you're not on uh, TikTok, your ass needs to be on TikTok, right? Because TikTok is like the new Vine and the new Snapchat. Right, kid. Like the people, if you want to do the Obama thing, right? Because Obama won in two thousand eight because you know millennials were in the social media. Like he was on Facebook, he was vying for those places. Now the Facebook for new Democratic voters is going to be TikTok. It's going to be Snapchat. It's going to be Instagram. Right? That's where they spend their time. Why don't we? Do we need to do a host a, a how you live in TikTok minute now? Do I think we, we do. <laughs> Yo, guys, live from Greenwood. Here we are. We only got a minute. <laughs> Like no, <laughs> break I mean, down the whole show from sixty minutes to sixty seconds. <laughs> That's funny. I like it. But yeah, like you, you go to where people are. Like if somebody's only access to media is cable or local TV, then you have to go to the places where you can communicate with them there. So it might be um, a national news program or right. something of that instance. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna be at your grandma's bridge game on Thursday. Friday, I'm on the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I gonna mean, be, I'm going to be talking to Charlemagne the God. <laughs> I mean, like, see, DJ see, Envy. There, there's. <laughs> I got to give it up, like, to my man Gary V. And if you're out there, like, if you're a presidential candidate, you need someone who's good at social media, but you probably also need a videographer. If you don't have a videographer, the fuck you doing? Like, <laughs> dead ass, the fuck you doing? 
because like your videographer will just document everything that you're saying and then they can disseminate that information out to the various platforms that they need to so your message can be heard as a from a wide range of people as it can be right maybe i should be like so, someone hires like steven spielberg and it's just like the jurassic park theme the whole time in the back <laughs> <laughs> that that's some tiktok <laughs> shit right there <laughs> like i i can't see see like okay uh, okay maybe let me go into a wild tangent about like how you can use the, the combination of a brilliant musical score and like a triumphant <laughs> speech to make an impact on your candidacy you're free now right yeah like and Be with me now. and the sad thing is i think the person who benefits the, the most from this is joe biden oh right whoa. yeah yeah see that's the thing because joe biden just has that look people like he looks like a movie president right yeah like he looks like the designated survivor let me stop I that's want, a show i want him to hire like the rizza now then and just like all of a sudden in like three weeks, people are like, yo, Biden's got bars. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and he's just dropping them on TikTok. Right. Like go on musically and yeah. then just like have a song in yeah. the background and just and then like say what you want. It's not like I'm here and I'm going to beat Trump. And yeah. then it does. That like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Like or when you're coming up on the stage, <laughs> like have a score appear yeah. and all that. Biden 2020. Right. Like. Like gotta you gotta use that social media, right? Like there yeah. there's avenues for it. But anyway, I digressed real hard from that. That's there. interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. And then the other person is just like, Oh, it's just movie themes and then they screw up and do the Titanic theme and they're like, <laughs> No, this is too sad. Like No, you can do the triumphant one. You can do I'm the king of the world, right? Yeah, what was the what was the music behind that? I, I don't, don't even remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the king of the world No, that wasn't like that. Um uh, yeah, well, you know these uh, these campaigns, they it's it they're it's crazy, dude. Because mm -hmm. some weird shit's gonna happen in the next six months. You know, we're gonna hear more names added, and we're gonna see a bunch of people drop out, and it's gonna be an interesting uh, year. You know, essentially mm -hmm. from now, because now it's probably gonna get down to like two of them by June of next year. So we're about a year out from that. So mm -hmm. yeah. I uh, it's gonna be an interesting campaign from yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, that's why I kind of want to like, like I'm doing this both for y'all and myself, so I know who I want to vote for. Like I'm still a super Bernie fan, and I don't feel like we really need to talk about Bernie because he has his own engine and he has like his own podcast. I don't know if he still does it though, but he has like a lot of those like media things that. Welcome back to the burn. I'm here again to talk about uh the economy and mm -hmm. right exactly <laughs> uh we we got our first caller it's on a phone line uh the guys they plug it into the show we're gonna get it live in our ears <laughs> it's the burn man here uh take the take the phone call please <laughs> yeah yeah no. why, why am i i'm making i'm making commentary on burn but it's cool yeah, yeah I, I haven't heard his podcast is that what he sounds like on the podcast a, a little I, bit a little I, bit i need more i need more snare in the headphones oh gosh there's not there's not enough snare <laughs> uh, i don't even know uh, i mean like i don't i yeah. haven't even attempted to listen to it in a while but i think it was back in 2000 like the last time i checked 2016 is when he did a um an episode but definitely now that he's running for the presidency again i would hope that he would use that platform and, and again, like we do a podcast, not that hard to do a podcast, especially if you have campaign funds, 
Right. So I think like every single presidential candidate needs to be out there doing some podcast stuff. Right. Right. Because I learned some really like cool policy things from listening to um. <laughs> Yo, uh, welcome to podcast. Hang Time with Andrew Yang. <laughs> right. Well, no, no, no. Like he, he, like Andrew Yang, like Andrew Yang is the person. I think he, I think he's gonna sneak up on people, because I think he's definitely going after younger demographics. Uh, I think he was probably the first presidential candidate to be interviewed by Joe Rogan. And he definitely has a lot of views out there that kind of balance between the two. I think he's a little bit different in Elizabeth Warren. But again, like I'm not going to make that full statement until I do a deep dive, a deep dive into his political platform and what policies he wants to bring to America if he were to be president. Uh, yeah, see? 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 Like, listen to that shit, right? Get that fucking... Right, this shit sounds like the West Wing, right? But I even though I know it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will have a cup of noodle. Right, like, yeah. You'll have one. Like, be on Musical.ly. Like, I want to make sure that everybody has a place to stay. I want to make sure that everybody can afford their prescriptions. I want to live in America that makes sure that everybody is going to have a chance to fight for that American dream. And if they lose, that doesn't mean that their journey is ended. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> right? Like, see? Like, oh, like that shit. That shit. See? Okay. Use okay. that shit. Musically, okay. bitches. All right. Or, or TikTok. TikTok. Formally, it. musically. TikTok. And Do you, that shit. You don't stop. Vote for Bernie. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, I guess for my fun topic, uh, I want to talk about the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh. So, so. Ain't nothing to fuck with. They, they really aren't. Wu-Tang Clan has a Showtime four-part documentary that's coming out, or it just got dropped, um, and it's all about kind of the experience of that 1996 album they dropped that ah. blew people's minds. No one was ready for it. Of mics and men, right? And uh, that's the name of the documentary. And, uh, and these guys really influenced uh, hip-hop. They influenced uh, kind of how we saw kind of rap supergroups form after them and also um the idea the the kind of branding of the wu-tang clan Mm -hmm. i mean the clothing was dope like the clothing was in your face people had the clothing uh the cds were in your face they were like there was orchestral mixes with violins and stuff and like um all those deep cuts and also just the fact that they took this kind of nod to the entire um like kung fu movie era oh yeah because yeah. all of their identities are actually borrowed from kung fu movies there's a old dirty bastard kung fu movie there's a oh. you know shaolin master they always talk about the shaolin um there's uh inspect a deck there's a method man there they they were all borrowed from from these series that were made in china um, in like the late sixties, early seventies, and then some of the later titles in the eighties, um, that normally went straight to VHS in our markets, but occasionally were played in like the Bronx, uh, on Saturday nights for, for like 50 cents, you could get like a double feature mm. of these Kung Fu movies. And so, uh, people kind of got like attached to the, to that being this kind of Saturday night underground kind of thing. And um, I came across Kung Fu because I was into 
like 80s really cheesy monster movies oh okay and so uh my friend showed me a kung fu movie that had these monsters in it oh and it was ridiculous and then i went and found that title because i wanted to see like i wanted to see it again and when i found it at um a suncoast video oh in the mall suncoast i found it in a suncoast video in the mall and it was it was surrounded by like 20 other titles from this wu-tang shaolin um kind of like combination of of tapes and and so i i bought a bunch of them i had like temple of the wu-tang I had drunken Wu Tang, mm. and and I was I was a fan right in that era, like 1993, 1994. And so when people were walking around talking about Wu Tang, the first kind of summer that I was hearing about it, I was like, wait, is everyone into this dope like kung fu stuff? And then that's kind of everyone's like, you're a nerd, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but like I I then came across it and was like, oh these guys are dope, these guys are like super cool, and like I dig it. But it was so weird, and I'm like, do they know like that they are um like named after this this kind of low brow quote unquote uh, low budget mm. kung fu? And it was like, yeah, it was on purpose because in the 80s they used to play those movies, and so. Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan. Obviously, uh, you always got to give a shout-out to Old Dirty Bastard because <laughs> mm-hmm. he passed away. Uh, uh, that guy was, was iconic. Um, I got to catch Ghostface Killa at a show he did in uh, Portland where he was oh, nice. part of this summer like free concert series. So they did like three or four free concerts, and they would just announce it like two days before, and then you had to go to like a record store and get the ticket for free. And and it ended up being Ghostface, and so I went to that, and it was in this warehouse, and it was it was like two weeks after ODB died, and he flew out like a bunch of ODB's family and stuff. Oh shit! Yeah, and they were on stage and had like you know kind of like airbrush T-shirts and oh, stuff, yeah. and like a couple of them were drinking forties, and literally he did like two like a third of his set, and then he came out and did like the next third of his set just all ODB covers just like doing all the hits of ODB and crushing mm. it, like doing the ODB lyrics and dancing with his family. And like, oh my God, it nice. was the craziest moment ever. And then he came back out and he's like, played like one of the hits. And then he's like, all right guys, I'm gonna play you my new shit. This is coming out tomorrow. It's called fish scales. Oh shit. And he dropped fish scales like the next week. And so, nice. uh, and, and so it was this crazy emotional, like roller coaster concert. And, uh, and that was Wu-Tang. And then uh, some members of the Wu-Tang, like U-God and um, I think Capadonna, who's like an extended member. And these guys, they all um, came out to Portland and played my friend's venue. Mm. So that was cool. We got to see like a few of the actual Wu-Tang members. And then obviously you had your headliners, your your RZA, your Jizza, your Method Man, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and and those guys, you know, went on to kind of have their own like notorious solo acts or mm-hmm. RZA as like the quintessential producer, you know. Oh yeah, I think I remember he did a collaboration with one of those Quentin Tarantino movies. Yeah, uh, Ghost Dog. No, he did. Well, he definitely did Ghost Dog. 
Oh yeah, that that's the one with Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that John that John is an interesting art piece right there. Like you should watch it if you're like into like art house films. Yeah. It's like he's going yeah, he read uh Sun Tzu and it was the art of war is kinda like the the framework of that movie. Uh, Ghost Dog. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I need to watch that again then. <laughs> I love that book. But uh but no, yeah, he did do a, a Tarantino movie. I don't know if it w- which one it was, if it was like Hateful Eight or if it was like one of his other uh, movies, but uh, but yeah, the RZA is so amazingly talented. Um, and then you have and, and uh, the movie is the Man with the Iron Fists. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And then on top of that, RZA had his alternate ego, Bobby Digital. Oh, okay. Who put out all those Bobby Digital albums in the early two thousands that were like super random and but cool, like <laughs> on like this weird side. Um, um, and then uh, Jizz of the Genius, who dropped the album Liquid Swords solo project. Oh wow, okay. Which is like it's got it's basically like Wu Tang adjacent because everyone's on like a bunch of the hits, like uh, you know, uh, what's yeah Liquid Swords. I think the song off that is like this fire track that's kind of in the pantheon of like if you were to top like Wu Tang tracks like Jizza. And uh, and then Method Man, man. I mean, Method Man is like the Snoop Dogg of the East Coast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's been repping weed the whole time. He's funny. He's clowning. He's in mm-hmm. movies. He's, yeah. He's bigger than life. He's bigger than just the Wu Tang. He's Method Man. He's Method Man with Red Man. Yeah. When they do their thing, which oh, was like Method Man and Red Man was hilarious. It was so hilarious. It was so great in How High. It was so great in the albums they put out. Like. That pairing, that side pairing, which is all coming out of that, like, kind of nexus that is the Wu-Tang Clan. That was mm-hmm. this just, like, group of guys, um, you know, uh, Raekwon the chef. Raekwon, he had the best lines in almost all of the songs. Like, like he's the one that interrupts uh, Gravel Pit. Mm-hmm. Like, check out my gravel pit. He's just like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> like, he just <laughs> interrupts, like... <laughs> and talks about how wealthy he's rolling and and then the beat comes back it's pretty it's pretty wicked but yeah man um uh you know just shout out to like that era and how we're still kind of like building off that and that's still kind of like this weird element that i love that's kind of happening on the trap music side it's happening in different ways you know people are branching out i mm-hmm. mean last week we played part of that old town road song which is like an example of kind of branching out um obviously hip-hop has been having kind of a marriage with electronic music for a while now mm-hmm. you know at least 10 years and probably 20 really but like really heavy kind of getting into the edm beats and the edm kind of tempos and everything uh and then and then the types of people that are getting to rap you know the 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 kid cuddies the guys who are talking about kind of bigger issues than just you know typical ones which has always been an element in hip-hop you know you've always had the side they call the conscious hip-hop and then all these other Mm -hmm. things mainstream hip-hop and i think i think all of those things have merged over time i think i think even the most mainstream hip-hop has to have some form of conscience you know you're not really just getting like dull rap it's 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 a message of form of some form 
Yeah, you have uh, Kendrick Lamar and Childish Gambino. Right. Where before you had, like, you know, The Roots and Common, and then you had, you know, yeah. Method Man, yeah. Wu-Tang. And yet, and yet Kendrick is, is rapping on beats like he was, you know, MC Ren or, mm-hmm. or Dre back in the day. And yeah. so... So it's it's the hard stuff that still has like the most conscious method, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, there's this there's this hip hop element, and I think also the idea of the collective. I've always liked the idea of a collective. Like I consider my podcast network to be a collective of of people that want to record and and have their ideas shared, and that I know them and I kind of see their vision, and and if it pairs with me, I host them on the network. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why we're doing it. It's why the Brew Happy Show does it. It's why I did my other show. It's why. You know, I, I look for people in, in the collective form because I think, like, when you get the perspective, you get the outside ideas of the different people, you can kind of create something that's it's r- more right than you could ever be, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and, and it's also this idea of community. And then that the effect we're seeing when, when I'm talking about how they branch out, well, now they're going to pay other people to be to be going on their tours and doing mm-hmm. their things and and that's employing people and people are taking tickets at those shows and people are buying those CDs and people are working to sell those CDs mm-hmm. so like the economy of of an idea of like the Wu-Tang Clan ultimately and, and in their retail mode when they had the the clothing you know uh which is is a direct representation of that of 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 you know of of building kind of financial basis and everything as we look to this modern future and we talk about these things like elections and stuff, uh, the power of the collective is another thing, you know, mm-hmm. o- not outside of just things called like unions and stuff, but just the collected minds of people um, is going to is also going to be a solution mm-hmm. uh, maker in the in the future and, and should be currently, you know. Um, and so I'm inspired by the Wu-Tang Clan. I haven't watched the four part documentary yet, but I'm going to go check it out. Um, as soon as it's available or if it's available now and uh, I, I suggest you go check it out and go check out Ghost Dog and go check out all those albums I mentioned and uh, enjoy yourself uh, some of the Wu-Tang Clan because as Chad said earlier they ain't nothing to fuck with Ha-ha. Uh, what do you want to leave the people with Chaz Aruno um, I, I think that's actually a good place to leave the episode um, actually you know, I always, like, before in the early days, I was like, go watch something. Uh, Kurt Sagat, uh they did a really good episode about vaccines, and I think it kind of does a good um, <clears throat> framing of what the issues are for, like, vaccination versus non-vaccination without being condescending, without being a dick about it. Um, and there's also, I think, like, this, I don't remember exactly the name of the show or even the YouTube channel. But it's one where a side of anti-vaxxers and a side of vaxxers come together and talk about it. And a lot of the doctors, while some of their information is very technical, um, a lot of them uh, tell their emotional stories and and what would have happened to their offspring if they didn't get them vaccinated. So I think like the combination of those two, if you think somebody has like a really emotional take and they are seriously considering not vaccinating their children, you should probably have them watch that. So... So, you know, they get a better understanding of where you're coming from. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good advice. And, and uh, as always, uh, if you want to get uh, in touch with the show, uh, send us a letter to hylbox at gmail.com. That's hylbox at gmail.com, the how you live in email box. And also you can get at me on the Twitter sphere at Mayor. Uh, yeah, 
I'm the guy helping the municipality near the coast with your boats. Uh, where can they get at you, Chaz? Um, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, right. It's Chaz Baz. Chaz Baz. And now updated on the link on howyouliven.com. Uh, as always, folks, uh, participate. Pay attention to what's going on in the world. Uh, enjoy your life while you're living. Chaz has been fun. Of course, as always. Uh, we out. Peace. Peace. I just been ballin' out every season Knowin' some niggas I left in the bleachers I just been married to Double Cup I gotta pull me a four inside another leader Tie up the bands and then run it up I gotta put the new bells inside of the freezer Back at the trap I was duggin' them people Duggin' the birds, sending out the meagles All of my diamonds gon' bust out the meter I'm drippin' water, nigga, Aquafina Then that bitch cabin if she think I need her Hit her one time and then I got